Hello and welcome to another episode in APW's Property Podcast Series. APW, your partners in property and advisors on the process of buying property in the UK. We're looking into all aspects of UK property and today is a monthly mooch around the market, looking at April. With me to discuss what went on are APW property experts Stuart and Callum Williamson. Hi Stuart. Hi Paul, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Glorious, thank you very much. Excellent word. Uh, Callum, hi. Hi, Paul. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well, thank you. I'm Paul Shearer, a writer and journalist and serial property owner and restorer. Stuart, it's coming up to episode 100 of your weekly market roundup, Market Wrap. If you haven't listened to them yet, you can find them under APW Market Wrap in all your favourite podcast niches. But Stuart, uh, what was it that caught your eye in April? Well, basically, it's just ongoing repeat of what happened in March. None of the uh, real issues have gone away. Nothing has been sorted out. A lot of cans have been kicked down the road. We still have the ongoing crisis in the Ukraine. We've got the problems of the energy bills going up and up and up in the UK. The cost of living is squeezing many of the lower earners, which is a real issue. Obviously, we haven't had a Bank of England rate rises yet, but as of Thursday, we expect it to happen. Obviously, the bank is on, on a very hard place, between a rock and a hard place, as I would say, because you've got inflation, which is rife. But at the same time, if they have too great a, a raise in the interest rates, it'll squeeze the life out of the economy, which means we'll go into recession again, which will defeat the whole purpose. So it's a nothing really has changed from, from March, to be honest, which is pretty grim. Yeah, the rates are expected to rise to 1% today. But uh, the inflation report, that'll also come out today. Callum, what was the current headline inflation rate and where do forecasters see it heading? That's right. Yeah, so there's the the new inflation report out today with the rate being at 7% in the year to March 2022, which is actually the highest for 30 years. And if we're looking at sort of where where we think it's going, the OBR, Office for Budget Responsibility, has predicted a rate peaking at 8.7% this autumn. And I was also reading as well that some bosses of large food companies in the UK are predicting food inflation to go up to 15% on some of the prices of goods in the supermarkets. So quite substantial, potentially. Yeah, so uh, is that the kind of market consensus? Because I was seeing today in the Times that there were uh, city commentators from Schroeder's, you know, already forecasting that inflation would go to 9%. But, you know, they're all, uh, others are saying, you know, double digit figures. Is that your reading, Stuart? Well, I think in reality, if you look at the real rate of inflation, it's already way above that. If you were to actually take the basket of goods, which is a realistic one that we use in today's terms, as opposed to the ones that have been set in the past, inflation is probably well above 10% and perhaps even into the teens. It's just a case of it isn't reported correctly. And it is a, a very poor situation. I mean, you know, just talking about the you know, cost of living crisis, I listened to a podcast recently, and they were saying that they're no longer stocking fresh food at um, food banks because people haven't got the electricity to put their fridges on and keep it fresh. So they're just buying microwave stuff instead. And that's a, a sad reflection of the UK today. If people are so poor... You know, it goes back to the 50s when people didn't buy fresh stuff because they didn't have fridges put in. Yes, I remember some of those, uh, well, those rationing book recipe books that uh, my mother had. So they were very, very strange things. Egg powder was a big thing, wasn't it? I don't don't remember that. (laughs) 
<laughs> it says it says a lot about your ages. I mean, I've never I've never tried egg powder. I'd never even heard of it actually. Um, okay, but going back to uh, the interest rates now, where do you see that heading, Stuart? And where where do the markets see it stopping? If it's one percent from today, well, I don't know if you noticed yesterday, but the S and P in the US went up by three percent in one day because the Fed increased. What's the S and P? Standard and Poor's uh, Index. Okay. So like the Dow Jones, but a broader spectrum. Uh, basically, it went up by 3% in one day because the Fed didn't increase rates as high as they thought they were going to. Even though it was the highest rate increase since 2002, it wasn't as high as everyone thought it would be. So I think the same potentially in the UK. Everyone's building such a grim picture. And when the Bank of England doesn't increase it as high as they expect it to, again, we'll have a bounce and you know, with property prices, with stock markets, anything like that's good news at the moment is a reason for people to go out and buy, it would appear. But the so the actual predictions are somewhere around two and a half percent in mid twenty twenty three, but some people are predicting three percent, is that right? I don't believe it'll go that high, no. I think we're looking at one percent more than we've got now. I would say two percent at the top. Um, you know, the OBR have said this, they expect you know, house prices to flatten next year and then pick up again because they don't expect interest rates to go that high. But even so, it is, you know, all-time lows, even if it goes up to 2.5%. But I can't see it going to 3%, no. Okay. Well, what's it doing to the mortgages and the mortgage rates in the market at the moment? Well, basically what we've got is, um, I think I actually put it into the most recent market, market wrap, is that we're, we're seeing five-year fixed rates at the moment that are actually better than two-year fixed, which is quite extraordinary. So... They're betting that in the short term, we will have a little bump in the rates going up. But longer term, we see a lower approach. Now, Halifax launched a five-year fix at the lower rate than their two-year. So it's 2.82%, okay, as opposed to 2.94%, which is a two-year deal. So basically, you know, they're betting that rates won't go up as high because, you know, obviously banks would never want to spend money they don't have to. In fact, they only ever want to spend someone else's money and not theirs. So, you know, a five-year fix at the moment is a great deal and, you know, not a bad thing to do. Well, next week we're going to be taking a look in more depth at the mortgage market and what's happening to rates and exploring some of these quirks. But uh, back to April, we've got prices rising, energy bills rising, mortgages going up. Any sign of any impact on the house prices? What's happened in April? What are the reports saying? I would say no, there's no signs of, of it slowing down. I mean, if you read the the sort of monthly reports that are put out by Rightmove, Zoopla, uh, Savills, all of these sorts of people, Ricks, they're all obviously saying the same thing because they're all looking at the same data, but it's all, you know, the highest since records began or the highest in the past 17 years. So to quote Rightmove, we've got the third consecutive price record and home selling faster than ever in spring market frenzy. And that's the general sort of theme across the board at the moment. So House prices up again by 1.6% in the month. That's £5,500 to an average house price of £360,000 in the UK now. So despite the headwinds, still lots of positive stuff going on. It's really a case of you know, when house prices go up in a year, more than the average person earns, then that's got to be a, a pretty telling situation. But the point is, you know, why is it? Is there such a huge lack of supply and, and demand is still out there. And there's a recent um, report that came out from the Conf Confederation of Personnel Directors, I think it is, 
and they were saying that basically 40% of all companies they surveyed worked out that they were actually more profitable with people working from home than they are from coming into the office. And if that is the case, then people will still be staying out of the office and it will still be pushing house prices out of the cities up. But at the same time, you've got people who do want to be in the office, 20% wanted to go back to original working hours, and so they'll be pushing prices up in the city. And the reason being is just not enough supply in either area to accommodate what's going on. The only thing I saw in the in the figures and the charts was obviously this slight tailing off. So the rate of rise has diminished. And there is, you know, the, some commentators saying that there is some sign of a slowdown. The figures that, that are published are obviously due to various different methodologies. But I was reading about simply, you know, the most accurate data is obviously the land registry data because that's actual sales recorded officially. But that's it takes um, six to eight weeks, I think, for the land registry data to be available after a sale. And the sale can be anything up to six months from the offer. So there's an incredible lag in that data. Rightmove is obviously doing the sales that are on their market, as is Zoopla, uh, and the, the actual asking prices and so on. And RICS does the surveys that they're doing and uh, the, with the registered uh, estate agents. So looking through those different sets of data is quite complex. Just on the Rightmove data, I quite like it as a data source because effectively it's live data of what's being listed and what goes up and what it gets sold as and taken down as so. In April, I think they analysed 127,000 properties that went up. That's, they say, 95% of all properties sold in April. So I, I think they've got quite accurate data. And they were saying that in February, this is the most recent one they've got, there's 96,000 transactions. That's up 17% from the same period in 2017 to 2019. And as well as that, it's taking half the amount of time for a property to sell. So in that, from 2017 to 2019, it was taking on average 67 days for a property to sell. And now it's taking 33 days. So, and that's live data from them. So even though perhaps things are slowing down, you know, the appetite is still there and, and things are selling very quickly. So, okay. Um, Stuart, you mentioned then that the city price is rising and the country price is rising. Were there other regional trends and regional variations that you spotted in the figures? No, for sure. I mean, the you know the the Welsh situation is quite an interesting one, in that um, it was always the joke that you know come home to a warm fire, uh, buy a, a second property in Wales, and then have set fire to it while you're away. And to a certain extent, they're taking that sort of attitude now, in that they're saying that they will triple ha- council tax on second homes in Wales in an attempt to try and keep the stock out there for the locals to buy. But the point is that it isn't that that's driving prices up. It's the quality of broadband, the fact you can go and work in Wales and, and achieve a great quality of life while still working in the city or working in Bath or Bristol or those sort of places. So Wales is still doing very well. The southwest is one of the highest locations where prices are going up for exactly the same reason. And then if you look up north, in the east and west Midlands, you've got a lot of growth because of the e-commerce boom going on and a lot of um, life sciences investment, and then up into the northeast, the same sort of thing. So really it's the northeast, east and west Midlands, Wales and the southwest that are doing best at the moment. 
Yeah, and, and I think the sort of the theme for the past 24 months has been the race for space, right, and, and moving out into the countryside, into green areas. And that's why you have places such as the, the area Stuart mentioned, you know, Blyna Grant, Merthyr Tidville up 22 to 24% for the year to date. But if you look at rental rises in rents, you look at the figures, it's a bit of a contrast. So the highest rise in rents over the past 12 months has been in central London, 20% rise, which would suggest that people are moving back into the, the city centres. But then on the flip side, after that is Purbeck in Dorset, which is 20%, and Torfine, which is in Newport or north of Newport, at 17%. So you've got the centre of London rising, and then after that, it's these coastal regions and areas in the countryside. So I think, you know, there's still the race for space going on, but people are also moving back into the cities. So we're, we're seeing a bit of a shift now, I would say. Yes, it's a kind of post-pandemic shift back into the cities. I, I was reading an ONS report which had data about house sales and what the most impact on prices was. And it was effectively one was the distance from London. But across the country, it's it's really how close you are to employment centres and employment centres with good jobs. There was an interesting survey, Callum, from... Uh, 3,000 people conducted by Nationwide, which threw up some stats. Yeah, for sure. So this month, along with the publication of its regular house price index, uh, Nationwide conducted a survey, as you say, of around 3,000 consumers, which revealed 38% were either in the process of moving or considering a house move. This proportion was particularly high in London, where almost half said they were moving or thinking about doing so. Uh, motivation for around a quarter of these, 24%, was to secure a larger property, which would back up that race for space, uh, which was a similar result to this time last year, so the same sort of theme. Uh, the exception was those aged 55 and above, where nearly 40% are looking for a smaller property, uh, whereas only 7% are in the market for a bigger one. So a proportion of those are citing a desire to get away from the city or urban life or having access to a garden. Uh, and or more outdoor space again. So it's that same theme again, largely, as the report says, a legacy of the pandemic. Old people, you know, looking to downsize and uh, less people looking to get away from the inner city living and find a garden seems to be the headlines from that. If I would say just a quick point in that, you know, being over 55, I don't want a smaller place to live in. You know, I want a larger place, you know, so I can get away from people. Yeah, but I think in the UK, with the cost of living, you know, if you're over 55, bearing in mind the average person has only got £25,000 worth of pension that they've got, they've earned, you know, and they're living on the state and uh, other stuff, they'll have to downsize with the cost of living squeeze the way it's going, which is, a, again, you know, it's, it's difficult for them, but it needs to be done really to open up the space for people coming through. No good living in a 12-bedroom house if there's only two of you. You need to really make that available for other people who are going to move into those sort of places. So redistribute wealth in a better way. Well, I think it goes back to those main themes that the cost of living crisis, the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, they're all making people think more seriously about how and, and where to live. Um, any final thoughts from you, Callum? I would, I would say, you know, the trend continues to be sort of uh, repeating previous months. You know, we're seeing strong, strong, strong growth, and that's underpinned by good fundamentals. And I, I guess we'll keep seeing that going forward. You know, I don't think much is going to change. Perhaps it'll, it'll cool off a little bit, but uh, yeah, I don't see much change going into the next few months. Stuart? 
look back five years ago, where were we pre-COVID? You know, no one was thinking about this and it was a completely different world. Five years from now, the same will have occurred. We'll have forgotten all these things. So things that people worry about are very much short term. And 95% of statistics are all made up on the spot. <laughs> hey, well done. Well, thank you very much to Stuart and Callum for sharing your expertise today. Next week, we're going to be looking at the mortgage market in more detail. Until then, thanks to Stuart. Thank you very much. And to Callum. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having us. My name's Paul Shearer. Enjoy your day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at The Art of Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.